Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Hear the word of the Lord. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Tell us plainly. Tell us plainly. In our gospel story today, those are the words of the Jewish people that gathered around Jesus, asking him if he was the Messiah, the one that has come to redeem them from the cycle the Israelites seemingly were always stuck in. Tell us, sir. Tell us, please. The suspense is killing us. To which Jesus replies, I have told you, and yet you still do not believe. Referring to the three times previously, according to the gospel writer, that Jesus has said that he is the Son of Man, the one sent to finish what God had started. However, he has never explicitly said, I am the Messiah. Kind of like when you are questioning if someone is a spy. We've all seen it in movies. They will answer the question honestly using every set of words except, I am a spy. That is what the people surrounding Jesus were asking for. They just wanted it plainly. They wanted the yes or the no. They wanted their answer to be clear as day. It's either black or white. Jesus either is the Messiah or he isn't. And Jesus, well, he doesn't live in a black and white world. Jesus dwells in the gray. He begins telling a metaphor of, to the people questioning him that they do not know that he is the Messiah because they are not his sheep. If they were his sheep, they would know who he was because, as is the case in the world of shepherding, sheep know the voice of their shepherd and respond to it when it calls. The sheep have a relationship with their shepherd. They trust the shepherd to lead them to clean waters and to green pastures. They trust the shepherd to protect them at all costs. And at all costs, the shepherd will protect them. The people questioning Jesus are so controlled by their clear-cut style of thinking that they cannot put together that the things that Jesus is doing point to his being the Messiah, the one sent from God and of God. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, Jesus says. Essentially, he is saying, have you not been paying attention at all? And the truth is, they probably were. They probably had seen a lot of the miracles he had been performing, these people probably knew something within them was being stirred up at the mere presence of Jesus. But they were too caught up in their ways to know that the one that they had been praying for was standing right in front of them. 
They weren't sure if they believed. So they just asked, make it plain. Are you who we think you are? And as we saw in Jesus' response, it is in that question where Jesus realizes here that these people are not his sheep yet. Jesus was not in the business of clarity. Whenever someone asked him a question, he always responded with a parable or a metaphor, just as he does here in our story today. We are the ones that want clarity. All he wants is connection. Jesus wants his people to be the ones that know his voice and instinctively draw themselves to him. Jesus wants his people to be the ones who, that understand that there is no such thing as black and white. That there is no such thing as dogmatic confession. There is Christ and Christ alone and all other things come secondary. All other things are in the pursuit of clarity. All other things get in the way of the whole point of this faith thing that we all have. All other things get in the way of us just having connections. Connections between us, with our church, with our families, both blood and chosen. With our communities, with our neighbors in foreign to us lands. With our planet and to our savior. The one who calls out and we respond because we know that that is what we are supposed to do. And if we are a part of Jesus' flock, there is no way we can be snatched out of his hand. We are eternally Christ's and Christ is eternally ours to share and to be shared through the connections that we make in this world, the relationships that we build from the ground up. Every single connection that we make in this life is worth something, no matter who it is with, no matter how you met that individual, they are all worth something and to Jesus, they are worth it all. These connections are worth it all. Our connections are everything. It is through our connections that we know where we can turn when we face various trials in our lives. It is through our connections that we create a circle of people that we consider to be family. It is through our connections that we find peace and comfort and hope and love. It is through our connections that we also experience immense sadness and pain. It is through our connections that our burdens are shared with one another. When one of us is mourning, we all are mourning. When one of us is in need of help, we all step up and do what we can, when we can, and how we can to address that need. This community that we are a part of here at church is our network of connections. When we need someone to pray for us, we should be able to call anyone in this room and they would be willing to pray for us. When we need someone to listen, we should be able to lean on any person. That is what a church is all about. It's not about checklists or conscience clearing. It's about spiritual growth, spiritual conviction, spiritual invigoration, and spiritual connection. When we come to church, it is so that we can learn how we can be better stewards of God's grace. 
how we can stand with one another, and how we can serve our world when we go beyond these doors. The church is about nursing connections between one another and between ourselves, both communal and individual in Christ. Connections are at the heart of our reading today. A lot of times the ending, verse 30, which reads, The Father and I are one, is often used in a Christological sense. That is, in this passage, Jesus is telling the world that he is God and God is Jesus. However, it's not what Jesus is doing here. That actually takes away from the passage as a whole to say that the point of the scripture was to establish that Jesus is God. Now, I don't like to bring up Greek because I feel that most of the time it is not all that useful. Like maybe nine times out of ten, it's not useful. Well, today is that time I feel like the Greek is useful to know. The word for one used in this verse 30 is in the neuter, not masculine. Neuter basically just means that it is neutral. If the word had been in its masculine form, it would have meant that Jesus is God and that God and Jesus are one and the same. However, since it's in its neuter, it is meaning, you guessed it, connection. Jesus and the Father being one in this instance means that they are so deeply connected that their wills are lined up and that their works cannot be distinguished in any way. God is doing work in the world through the connectedness to God of Jesus the Christ. The work of Jesus is the spitting image of God. Jesus truly is the hands and feet of God in the world and for the world. Yet so often we try to take this single word and use it to change the whole meaning of the passage. We use it as a foundation for religious claim that distracts from the intention of what Jesus is saying here. We take what is gray and try to force it to be black and white. We do exactly what the people questioning Jesus are doing. And in doing so, be aware, you might get the same answer as those Jesus was speaking to. I wonder, how often do we, the church, realize we are doing this? How often do we realize that we have been so caught up in making sure that these dogmatic boxes get checked that we neglected our relationships with people and with the Holy One? That's what faith is for. It is the belief in things unseen. It is the belief that something intangible can be the guiding force of the whole earth towards something good. Our faith in practice is us leaning into the gray. It's us putting our foot down and saying that this is all for so much more and that I want you to be a part of that more with me. We get so caught up in making sure that everything, that we have everything right, all the information, that we forget to maintain a spiritual discipline of prayer and discipleship. We forget to reach out to that Sunday school classmate that we noticed was hurting. We forget to keep our eyes open for what work we can do in our world. The oneness that Jesus is speaking of here is the kind of oneness that we all should have with each other. 
Our universal mission should be so clear in our practice that we cannot distinguish who the work is being done by. We should be striving to have the kind of relationship with God that Jesus demonstrates in this passage. To be so integrated and entwined in the will and the work of God that the lines are being blurred and the gray is being leaned into. That is the power of the relationship that we should have with one another and with Christ through the movements of the Holy Spirit. Our work of justice and peacemaking should be so in sync with what God's will is for the earth that when people experience it, they know that God was present in that place. Through our works and our deeds, we are the presence of God in the world. We are the hands of God in the world. We are the feet of God in the world. The body has many parts, and we are all a part of the living body of Christ through the movements of the Spirit. Wherever she moves, we will follow because we know what is coming next is something that is well beyond what we can comprehend today. We know that what is coming next is the promise that all will be a part of the flock of Jesus, that all will hear his voice, recognize it, and respond. The promise that we are given on the day of resurrection is that the fence of the good shepherd spreads from sea to sea and across all nations and all will be invited to take a seat at the table right beside the Savior and Redeemer of the world. The hope that I want to leave with you today is this. We are called to be one with Christ in the same way that Christ is one with God according to this passage. We are called to be integrated and connected on such a deep level that we feel joy when there is joy and we feel sorrow when there is sorrow. And right now, maybe there is pain. Maybe you are personally feeling a lot of sorrow or maybe you are feeling a lot of sorrow because we can't turn on the TV without hearing the new count of people who have died in unnecessary and unjust wars. Look around you. We are feeling it with you. You are not alone in any of this. We are all a part of the flock of Jesus the Christ. He died because of us and he was raised for us. And since we are a part of his flock, no one and nothing can ever snatch us away from that. We may feel distant. We may feel like we've strayed, but remember, the fence has encompassed the whole world. There is nowhere you can go that Jesus won't find you. Remember what he does with the lost sheep? He puts them on his shoulder and carries them back. According to Christ, according to me, according to the people that call Christ their Messiah, your worth is insurmountable. God's love for you knows no bounds. My love, our love for you, knows no bounds. Amen. Thank you everyone for listening or watching, liking, commenting, and subscribing. And remember that you are loved and that I am thankful that you are here.